thanks for tuning in. This is Down the Fandom Hole, a podcast about the creative side of fandom and its amazing queer community. Join our host, fanfic writer and queer bear extraordinaire, Ayaka Spencer, as she and fellow fan creators share their fandom stories, talk creativity, and discuss inclusive spaces. While you listen, visit patreon.com slash down the fandom hole and check out the free companion post for this episode. There you'll find creative content from today's guests, recommendations and shout outs to other fandom creators, as well as links to follow Aya and her guests. So hop to it and check it out. On today's episode, Amelia Rowan and I talk about what it's like being a safe space for a new generation. What's taking her so long on posting that new chapter for the collection? And, well, you got to keep listening to find out. Also on today's episode, you may hear some funky noises coming from her dog, her house, and co-host. It's all part of living la vida pandemic. So, I hope you guys enjoy. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Ayaka Spencer, and today I'm speaking with my very good friend and, when she has time beta, Amelia Rowan. Hello. Before we begin, what are your pronouns? Uh, she, her. I, don't, I won't get offended if anybody says the wrong thing. Excellent. So kind of getting into the whole talk about fandom, what was your gateway fandom into becoming a fanfic writer? The first fanfic that I ever wrote when I didn't even know that fanfic was actually a thing or there was a name for what I was doing mm-hmm. was X-Men. Really? Who was and the ship? I, I was in middle school and it wasn't really a ship. It was, I made an OC uh-huh. because I, I, it was after the second X-Men movie came out and I loved Jean Grey. At first I made an OC and that was supposed to be like her kid. And then I got into the comic books and found out that she and Scott Summers had a child in comic book canon that was Rachel Summers. And so she became like one of my favorite characters. That And I started writing some just off the wall fanfics in that. But that was one of the first fanfics that I wrote. It was all handwritten on notebook paper. If I dug through my mom's attic, I could probably still find the horrible crappy notebook that I wrote this on in my little print handwriting because I didn't even write in cursive yet in like middle school and just wrote out this entire little fanfic story of how this daughter that came back and brought Jean Grey back from the dead basically I still have a really soft place in my heart for X-Men as a whole just I've always loved all the movies that have even even the where they're trying to revamp it now with the new actors in these roles and and I love all of that X-Men and I've loved kind of just what it stands for as far as you know using mutants as the sort of stand-in for any other within our society, whether it's race or queer or anything, like you can sort of use the stand-in of how the mutants were treated. And so I still really love X-Men, but I don't really, I haven't written anything within that for a very long time. But that was sort of my first go at fan fiction. I didn't know at that point that there was, that this was a thing other people did. I think I showed it to like one friend in middle school and and she was like, this is weird and never spoke of it again that I ever, you know, nobody else ever knew that I wrote fan fiction. But, and then throughout, you know, middle and high school, there's probably on an old computer somewhere, there were like Harry Potter fanfics. Usually these were like OC fanfics. It wasn't even really about the characters. I just loved the idea of Hogwarts as a whole. And now, of course, there's the issues with J.K. Rowling, but mm-hmm. then that brings up the, can you still love the creation without loving the creator anymore? And I think that's kind of where a lot of Harry Potter fans are kind of having that stand, you know? I um, think it's probably akin to, like, the people who love the Cosby show and found out about Bill Cosby. Exactly, because I loved watching that show growing up. But now knowing about him, mm-hmm. it's like... Uh, it it does kind of poison that but at the same time you can still love like the lessons that were taught on that show and some of the great interactions between the characters and how funny it was like you still laugh at it while also just 
yeah i think that show and also the fact that it's named with him and him being a character within it i think that he tried to like bill cosby tried to like he and and the and huxtable were not the same person Mm -hmm. like he was still playing a character but I think the idea, especially with it having his name in the title, kind of made it seem like he was that person. Exactly. And it's not like you said the Huxtables, the Huxtable show. It's the Cosby show. Nobody there was named Cosby. No. Yeah. So it's, I think, you know, and I think he tried to portray that. And obviously, I don't know how it was when that first came out and I've watched I think at some point before all the scandal I've watched his comedy specials and thought he was absolutely hilarious but I feel like there was this idea that that was him as a person too Mm -hmm. and I think that's what he tried to convince people of and that's what he and and I'm sure his PR team tried to do was be like this is Bill Cosby he is Bill Huxtable like they gave him the same first name, I'm pretty sure. And so there's that. And so I, I do feel like there is a different level there. Like if I tried to go back and watch it and watch him, I feel like mm-hmm. now I would still have a like sort of a bitter taste in my mouth. Whereas I don't necessarily have that same feeling if I were to go back and reread Harry Potter because I'm not reading about J.K. Rowling. She's not a character. She wrote it. She put these words on a page, but she's not within those pages. And there has been so much of an ownership, I think, amongst the fandom of Harry Potter. It's just unfortunate that it still benefits her in the long run. It is. It is. I have some mm-hmm. stuff for for Hufflepuff because I do love kind of that camaraderie of identifying with a group because of certain traits, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I just, I want a sticker. I've seen them out there that's like, I love Harry Potter, but I hate to <laughs> like... We you know, need to make that. We definitely need to I'm make that. I'm pretty sure it, it totally, it, I'm pretty sure they exist somewhere. And, and like, because that's, to, that's just how I feel at this point is like. And then send all profits to uh-huh. transgender charities. I honestly think that this exists. I just need to find one. But I mean. So you're a Hufflepuff? I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm a Ravenclaw. I can see that. Thank you. I actually like Ravenclaw, so I'm okay. But I like the colors of Gryffindor. I saw a I think I I would one thing I would love to visit though I still want to go to Universal and go to the Harry Potter stuff at Universal I would really love to go to see that at some point that would be very cool that's on my bucket list of places to visit I've been there but it was before they built the Harry Potter stuff but yeah I'd love to go and I noticed something we were talking about earlier shows that I had watched and I'd watched the the trilogy on stars that was the white queen and the white princess and the Spanish princess and I don't know where they're filming stuff in Britain exactly but some of the sets on that show I've seen the Harry Potter movies so many times that I recognize some of the corridors that they shot scenes at Hogwarts and I'm like wait a second that's what they're using now as the palace scenes in some of these shows I wonder if maybe it's if there's places there in the UK where they do a lot of filming if I think I remember reading they use certain parts of Oxford because it is so old I would think so I mean Britain is full of those old architectural history gothic stuff and so that's true so there's but yeah it's it's just I love seeing those things in different shows and different movies when you can recognize the same places that have been used for filming. It's kind of like how New York City is now a character in any movie it's in. Yeah, I think I saw somebody on TikTok had pinpointed like the moment that Steve Rogers wakes up and bursts out of the hospital and runs through New York City. And they used all of the posters in Times Square, all of the Broadway posters, and movie posters that are up on the buildings to pinpoint within I think about a four-day span exactly when they shot that sequence oh wow that was so crazy like this show ran from this date to this date and this show was on from this date to this date and this is the overlap (laughs) like (laughs) holy cow the detailed eye will see a lot of things when I have students who are asking me like with all this when we're talking about music we're like why did how do these people have enough time to do this I'm like they had a lot of spare time which wasn't really spare time but this is what they chose to devote their time to Mm -hmm. now we're in this day and age and somebody devoted hours of their life to making a three-minute TikTok explaining exactly what days they shot this one scene in Captain America it's priorities it's priorities and it's you know the better you get at something the faster it takes so 
Exactly. I'm learning this anyway. while I make TikTok videos. TikTok. <laughs> you were cruel when you got me hooked on that. I swear to God. Evil laughter. <laughs> but you get the you get to um, enjoy all I of the it. videos I sent you. <laughs> I do. And they're all political or like uh, the rabbit holes that I've been sunk yeah. down. You're like, hmm. Yeah. I get all the I get all the TikToks and I just send you like completely random weird ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to my TikTok algorithm. It's like I have ADHD TikTok, I have teacher TikTok, I have LGBT TikTok. I now have air fryer TikTok. That's fun. What? <laughs> I got an air fryer for Christmas. And so I started looking at some videos with air fryer and now I'm on like air fryer recipe TikTok. And so those are popping up. I'm like, how does this thing even figure this out? I watched two videos. I didn't even search anything. I swear it's listening to you. It probably is. Plus, if you keep watching them, it's just going to keep feeding them to you. I know. I know. That's what's yeah. happening. So that's uh, what's happening. That's always fun. Yeah, TikTok. <laughs> The bane and the joy of my existence all rolled into one. Yeah. So have you always been someone who likes to create with your writing or are you just a creative person in general? Because um, you do sing. You have a beautiful singing yeah. voice. So thank you. I've been lucky enough to I, hear you sing while we work. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Writing has always been my main creative outlet as far as creating things. I've dabbled in just in drawing and now I've done a few like photo minute within fandom I did a few of those for the last for the reverse um big bang that we did then so I've done a few things but it's not really something that I do a lot of or feel the need to do a lot of it was just something I wanted to kind of dabble in and just 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 to see if I could you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and like music is an outlet I used it's odd to say this I used to like music more than I like music now I feel like and part of that I think it's because I made it my career they they have that phrase to do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life which I don't completely agree with anymore because I still love music but sometimes I feel like because I analyze it so much and because I'm doing it all day and I'm doing it with a certain mentality about it then I don't enjoy it as much as maybe just someone who can listen to it for only enjoyment. So in some cases, I think if you, if you take that phrase, try to do what you love to make money from it, in some ways you, you run the risk of losing your passion for it. But I don't think that's true. I mean, if you think, if you were to switch what's going on for yourself, and I hope it's okay that we talk about your snakes, you have a lot of happiness when you talk about your snakes. Like you can hear the joy and the excitement, even though you're trying to make this thing into a viable business. You're very passionate about, you know, the whole DNA sequencing of these very simple, cool animals and about the different markings. And you're excited that you just, you're one of your snakes just birthed this, these what, seven snakelets? Yep. Seven babies. I mean, you're very passionate about that. I, I feel like maybe instead of it, being music anymore it's translated to being snakes yeah I'm I love I do love that and and I've honestly I've had that conversation with my therapist of being afraid that as I get more into it and try to make it a business mm-hmm. being afraid of losing that passion I'm trying very hard to hang on to it actually bringing it back to TikTok I watched her username is Katie Osaurus oh yeah I love her she's good uh she makes a ton of very to me very relatable TikToks about ADHD, which I do have ADD. And one of them that she made was very recently was something about how a lot of people seem to have the one thing that they're good at and they focus on it. And something that has been uh, a blessing for her with being someone with ADHD was that she had a lot of different things throughout her life that she's been very passionate about. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she's had a lot of different life experiences and gotten to do so many different things and I really related to that a lot because sometimes get overwhelmed because I have so many things that I enjoy doing and try to do I sometimes feel like I'm gonna have like I have too many irons in the fire because even like right now I haven't been writing as much recently and part of that is because I've been so focused on trying to make something of my snake breeding to develop that into a business 
-hmm. and also being a teacher in the middle of a pandemic Mm -hmm. and being in the middle of a pandemic and the mental stress that goes with that. And then in a lot of ways, I'm trying to take care of my physical and mental health. So I've had a lot of various doctor's Mm -hmm. appointments and just done a lot of stuff. And so I do sometimes can feel overwhelmed with that feeling of too many things going on at once and trying to do too much. I'm trying to keep my passion about, about the snakes and I'm trying to get back to my other passions because I do writing is one that I, I've kind of gotten busy and stepped away from for the last few months and trying to get passionate again. And as I just, I spend most of my day singing the little kids songs and I miss some of the, the days when I was actually creating music. I was watching all those choir YouTubes and somehow went on a little YouTube black hole watching yes. different choirs and har- and groups that were harmonizing. And that's stuff that I really love. And I love watching it and listening to it. And I love when I was part of that, I really miss being part of a choir or a group of musicians. And I may look in the next few months into trying to get back into something like that, but it's hard right now, especially a lot of things got canceled due to COVID and still are, especially as far as making music. So, but if once, once things get a little bit safer on that front, I think I will look back into getting involved in some kind of music making again with a group. Well, that would be something I miss. To kind of flip it back to fandom, we have had conversations about how you would like to try to redo your collection, the collection story. Let's kind of yeah. delve into that a little bit, if you don't mind. I need a, I need a collection like 3.0. <laughs> like, just let everyone come and kill me at that point. I have become less of a pantser in my writing since I started posting that. And that story has just, it, it grew into something so much bigger than I ever thought it would be as far as how many people have read it and also just as far as what I was writing because I, I had no plan. For mm-hmm. so much of that story and, and the setup and there's a loose like idea of where I wanted it to go but then I was like let me bring in this character and I want to include this character and I want to have this and I had kind of the idea the loose outline for where Kara and Lena's story was going but now I realize I've introduced a bunch of these side characters because I love them but I haven't really introduced them in a way that I feel like is cohesive and mm-hmm that their little story arcs can be neatly tied up and finished and so that part (laughs) is a little bit overwhelming and I kind of I don't know exactly how I can go back and fix all of that but some of it I don't know like I brought in Wynn. Wynn hasn't made an appearance again. I don't know if he needs to but like he was there for a little bit. I had James and Lucy there for a little bit as I love James and Lucy. I don't know about where they're gonna come back in and you know, we've got, why is my brain farting? Stop it. It's Friday. It is. Even though it was a short week, it is Friday. Why is it when I can, when I can't think of a character's name, I can see them in my head and I can think of their, the person who plays them, I can think of their name and I can't think of the character's name. Andrea, that's who I'm thinking about. Yeah, so I have Andrea and Russell and I loved the story that they have on the ship, but now I'm like, okay, now what? What, what am I doing with them? I feel like they should have something because she has a I love her relationship with Lena in the story and I'm just, now I'm like oh what do I do with them now I don't actually know like I still have some things planned down the road for like Alex and Sam within that story and Astra even like on down the line but and then it huh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's how I feel about the collection at this point I love it and I'm so glad that other people love it but because so many other people love it, that gives a lot of pressure to try to make this work. And in my brain, it's not. <laughs> so if anybody does listen and is like, why the heck hasn't she updated that? That's why. If I could go back, I would actually make it that Kara did not collect Lena. That is the biggest change I would make. And if I ever do wrap my brain around writing this as an original fake story, which I've thought about doing, I will have it this way. What I would do is instead of Kara being the one that orders Lena to be taken, it would be Maxwell Lord that I have in the story that is a member of the council. Really? Why? Really? And because he wants uh, her? Because he wants her. And Kara venture into this. And and so, but because Kara is in charge of the ship, like, 
I don't, I am still playing around with how this would go of whether she would be the one to get the order to have Lena collected and would have to fulfill that or, but they wouldn't know that Lord was the one who had her collected yet. So, but she would still have to try to save Lena for the um, So basically tumor. Lena, Lena would get collected and I do think I would still have Lena collected early. I don't know. I'm still working on in my brain how I would finagle this, but Lena would be collected early. And when she got there, she would still have the brain tumor and Mm -hmm. Kara would have to make that split second decision of in order to save her, the procedure we have is to go ahead and do the DNA change. But that would change a good chunk of the trajectory. I realize this. And so basically Kara would choose to use her own vial because still Kara would have those feelings that she has within the story of that she's never going she was very dead set on that she was never going to have a mate both because Mm -hmm. she didn't feel like the collection process was ethical and also because of who her father was and what he did so she was dead set on never having a mate and so that was why she would choose to use her vial lena because if lena rejected her well she never expected to have a mate anyway, so it is what it is. And then Astra coming along and being like, you're a fucking idiot, which is valid. <laughs> and it is um, Astra being the one to pressure her to being like, you're going to take her to your quarters and you're going to convince her that she's going to be your mate because you just wasted your chance at happiness. And part of that I do think is Astra being like Astra had a mate and knew that it could like how happy she was. And does want Kara to have that experience at some point. And so realizing that Kara has fucked up royally and, and just wasted her vial as Astra see it. She's like, no, you're going to make her be your mate. The Maxwell thing would be fun. Yeah. And then like Tyvel trying to get close to Lena would be kind of as Maxwell's cousin, as his kinsman, just trying to figure out what's going on and get close to her. And then he's very much the whole sexual assault would be because of him being in rep but also he's just not a good person in general obviously and then so spoiler alert of what's what's kind of happening in the future of the story is that even in in the one I have without Max trying to be the one that had Lena collected was that is going to be that he's going to get jealous and try to both for vengeance for his cousin and also just to get Lena to be his mate try to take out Kara right to try to have her killed and have Lena then kind of kidnapped to bring her to him and so the idea is that that would happen because he originally had her collected I feel like would have been a better (laughs) idea for that Mm-hmm. is that he wanted her originally and Kara basically thwarted that whole plan that he had but because now I'm like ah, yeah I'm trying to make that happen in the story and I'm like this would have been a better way to do this I feel like oh well we're not gonna do a collection 3.0 because I'm pretty sure some of these people who have been reading and still would probably somehow hunt me down and club me or something because they're tired of me doing the edits because <laughs> I think I made like I did collection 2.0 and then I went back and edited some things in previous chapters of the collection 2.0. So technically, I guess we're on 4.0 if I change it again. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I would be one of those people who would clip you. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm like, why? Some of y'all still reading this. Well, I am waiting patiently and I know you and I, uh, you know, I know you're busy, so I'm not going to prod you, but really to put yeah, it, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I got to get through this but yeah or the um, ones who love your to the moon and back what's it called oh, i know I, um, I love that story and it breaks my heart that i'm still that one does have an outline amazing that one does have somewhere is that the one that dkg helped you make no that one actually had sort of a chapter by chapter at least sort of a play-by-play if mm-hmm. not a uh, super duper outline outline but yeah that one that that story is so dear to my heart and it's been hard to write for a lot of because of that and I can't god what was my last what was the last chapter on that that I posted I think oh, I know I'm trying to remember exactly I think you guilt me into reading it because it wasn't one of the ones I read oh okay so it was when Kara tells Lena everything like how she felt about her own sexuality that was 
very personal. And I think I put in the notes on that, but that was very much when I figured out my own sexuality, I realized that a lot of feelings I had had before that I had tried to put down because I was raised with a religion that basically said, you don't do this. And I internalized a lot of things I didn't realize that I had internalized. So that's why, like, even though it's written from Lena's point of view, Kara's experience within that story is so dear to me Mm -hmm. and so personal. And that was probably the hardest. It was the probably one of the first things I wrote, I think, for that, for that fic. Because even when I was in the beginning stages, I think I wrote, I, I do most of my writing typing now, but in the past, I've written a lot by hand. And I still do sometimes just to kind of center myself and really mm-hmm. slow down and focus on my writing. I'm pretty sure I, I had that whole scene written out by hand before I ever even posted the first chapter of that story online. And so you kind I, of I built knew, it backwards and then you're going to build yeah. it forward. Like I knew that that moment was going to happen. I knew that that conversation was going to happen and that that was Kara's perspective on the whole thing uh, from the very beginning. So with that story, honestly, because it's set after, it starts kind of after season two. Honestly, if I, if, if I got to the end of what I have plotted out for that one, that could be one that goes on to sequels of rewrites of the later seasons. And mm-hmm. when my brain thinks of that, it goes, no, no, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> wait no (laughs) stop it just stop (laughs) enough please (laughs) yeah so Um, this is probably a good time to kind of ask what what inspires you because I've known you for a while and you come up with these prompts out of nowhere you say them you just throw them out into the universe (laughs) But like, what inspires you to actually write those prompts on paper? Mental illness. No. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh, but it's because we know. But on a real note for that, my the first, it wasn't the first fic, it was the first multi-chapter fic that I've posted on AO3, mm-hmm. which is the, the one where- I have not yeah, read that one. one yet. It's on my list. You've got it. That's still, you got- you know, I will read. Honestly, I will read that story when you listen to a podcast in an episode. Well, guess what? I listened to one today. Oh, which so, one did you listen to? There you go. I listened to Valkyries. Okay, how'd you like it? I did. I liked it. It was very good. A lot of the points that y'all made about the different fandom and people of color was very, very enlightening. That was a really good conversation. It I really was. Totally enjoyed it. It was nice to. It was. It was good to listen to and hear that perspective. So, so I guess ha. I have to read your egg. I will read um, it. It's on my list now. <laughs> it's at the top um, of my list. So that one, I honestly, I don't even know. So I posted this idea on Tumblr and I don't know if I saw picture or what, because I don't think it was completely original, but it was this idea of Kara running into Lena's office, holding an egg and going, I made this. And Lena being like, what the fuck? and and for some strange reason all the other crackheads on tumblr (laughs) like me fellow crackheads (laughs) all of my fellow crazy people were like this is adorable and i still would love for someone to just draw me a little sketch of like even if it's stick figures or something of that scene like that exact scenario even though it's not what happened in the story (laughs) because <laughs> it just makes me giggle to think about every time but people kept commenting like this is so funny and, and what if kryptonians laid eggs and and then i had probably the lowest point in my mental health where i'll be honest i i just got i don't know if there was a trigger for it but it was just a lot of anxiety a lot of depression i'll be honest it was the, one of the few times in my life that i've had thoughts of suicide it was very, very low. And mm-hmm. at that point was when I, I started you know, taking medication and talking to a therapist for the first time. And for about two weeks, I was just in a very, very dark place trying to get some medications regulated. Mm-hmm. My doctor wrote me out of work because I could not face my day-to-day job. And to distract myself, I started writing that big because if I was thinking about that, I wasn't thinking about all of my stress and all of my sadness and 
all of those invasive thoughts that were hitting me at the time. And I think I probably wrote the most in those days as far as how many words I was putting out at the time than I've ever written because I was just so desperate to distract myself. If I got into one of those horrible black holes of depressive thoughts, I would immediately go, okay, think about Lena and Carr, think about this story, think about this and what's going to happen next, what needs to happen after this and would start writing and distract myself. It sounds like fandom has really impacted your life positively. It's honestly helped me with my mental health and especially in the last couple of years since the beginning of this pandemic, especially when everything was very much locked down. That was the, the point when I really started connecting with people in the fandom and I, I did the first Super Corp Big Bang Mm -hmm. and joined the discord with that and just started connecting with other people within the fandom yeah there was always the the posting on tumblr and especially during the shows i loved being part i would a lot of times would live do the live feeds of people's reactions to the show and i would post my things and i would see other people i always enjoyed that because it's this feeling of it's some people would say, oh, it's just a TV show, but I'm experiencing a similar emotion to somebody mm -hmm. in a different part of the world and we can relate to each other over this. Mm -hmm. And that's a level of connection, I think, that is really unique to fandom. And so that was sort of the first kind of connection that I felt within fandom, but especially then getting into those discords and meeting like-minded people, especially other writers and being able to talk directly or chat directly on those discords and people that, you know, I had read their work and really admired them and learning from others. DKG is one that I've learned a ton from as far as outlining and we've tossed ideas back and forth and just like so much from her as far as mm -hmm. plot and outline and in some cases even though she hates it but she will point out I'll point out to her and she'll point out to me the whole idea one of my college professors called it killing your darlings so those mm -hmm. things sometimes you love something within your story and you do just need to keep it because you love it let's just be real here and sometimes you love something but really do you really need this is, is it really completely and so she's a good one that I think in the past she's pointed those out to me and my fix and I've had a few times that I've pointed them out to her and it's a lesson that she learned in writing herself and now shares and and she is just a genius in outlining and organization and all of this stuff and my pantser ADD brain was like how do you do that in the spreadsheet <laughs> like what you can make a spreadsheet for that so oh my god <laughs> i am learning so many cool things on how to work a spreadsheet i learned how to do a dropbox in cells mm -hmm. and something else but i can't remember it it's crazy i'm like wow this thing is awesome you can do it on google sheets yeah i just learned so much and being able to throw around ideas and that's just been invaluable to me and especially during that time where and I'm an introvert by nature my really? shop really um, no, I'm surprised when you say that you're so talkative I'm I'm talkative once you get to know me once or once I get to know you like if when I go and try to socialize in real life places and even like on first joining like a discord server or something it's kind of like going into let's be honest sorry like when you first join a server like that you do sort of feel like the wallflower at a party mm -hmm. I feel like because you especially if it's something that's established already you sort of watch everybody else interact for a while mm -hmm. and you kind of have to build up that courage to jump in I'm a little more comfortable jumping in in online things and especially in a more anonymous zone than I am in real life situations so, well, yeah, because yeah. they can see you, they can see your face, you might have this weird uh -huh. face on, you might have yeah. shit in your teeth, and you're like, fuck me. Exactly, and especially, I'm from a small town, mm -hmm. and if I say the wrong thing or come across the wrong way, like, weird things can happen. So, being being able to meet people online was sort of a safe place, and it was a way for me to get some social interaction when there was... You know, especially during like 2020, 
20 when it was really bad and it, it's still I realized that I'm in an area where in in some places it's still to the point that it was in 2020 and people are still very locked down and I am living in a place where most of the public is pretending that COVID no longer exists even though it's horrible and it right just now. keeps getting worse it, it is worse but uh, yeah I'm in the south that's all I need to say so but especially during that time when I was I could and I could devote a little more time to it too that really it connecting to those people within fandom and also that kind of comes into it too of I'm in you know the conservative bible belt where and I wasn't out to any family members really or were friends in real life and being able to connect to uh, other queer people from a lot of different places was huge in me becoming more confident in mm-hmm. you know in realizing my sexuality and and being okay with who I am which is still in flux mm-hmm. <laughs> you know still an adventure of figuring things out but yeah. I'm much more comfortable with with figuring that out instead of you know what's around me uh, geographically and and I don't want to say in real life because online stuff is real life as well mm-hmm. it's feels safer mm-hmm. than in person if that's that's the phrase I'm looking for is more you know the stuff I'm surrounded by in person is not necessarily a safe space no not when people can you know spread their germs around and they don't always care no and there's yeah and that and just and even you know let me let me walk in I'm like the, <laughs> let me walk into the local hardware store wearing a pride t-shirt and wearing a mask and try not to get hate crimes but so yeah it's it's been very helpful to me to be part of that fandom community in my own development in figuring out like my sexuality and my confidence with my sexuality to just be able to say you know this is this is me this is who I am and I'm still in some ways figuring it out but it's okay that I'm still figuring it out and you know that's the journey (laughs) it's good because the more the safer you feel in one space the more you're willing to branch out in another aspect of your life you know like you're starting to like you've told me you're starting to be a little bit more open in your little area where being openly gay is not always safe but right you're slowly stepping your toes out and your children who you teach are like being your kind of allies in it yeah they're Oh my gosh, kids are so much more understanding than a lot of people give them credit for. And <laughs> I'll I'll tell the story of what happened right before my Christmas break. So I partially because of where I am and and partially because of the age that I teach. So I will not lie to my students. If they ask me if I'm gay, I'm going to tell them, yes, I am, I am queer. I'm not gonna, you know go out and and bring it up but if they ask I'm not going to lie to my students and if if anybody were to have a problem with it I'd be like I don't I'm going to defend that I don't think it's fair to just to lie to them and I'm not going to say it's not appropriate for school because just saying how I identify I think it's very appropriate I don't see like it's any different than if a student were to ask another teacher are you married there would be no qualms about them saying yes or no. So that that's kind of how I look at it. But I also know that especially for my older students, they are starting to be curious. And some of them may start questioning their sexuality or exploring their sexuality mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how they identify and where they belong, you know, along this spectrum of, you know, LGBT or other and so I have little things that I try to subtly signal sometimes so I have a little stained glass piece hanging in my window of my classroom that has the rainbow colors anybody maybe looking at it would be like oh look it's rainbow it's so pretty but if you've got a kid who's starting to look into Mm-hmm. LGBTQ and Google and sees the pride flag they're gonna see that and go hmm, you know yeah and that's really the time when they can start to find fan fiction themselves exactly and and these kids have so much internet access and I don't fool myself into thinking that like these kids at this age are innocent and don't find stuff they do and I know what I was finding at that age and I was fairly innocent so yeah 
so I have that in my window. I have a little bracelet that I wear that's rainbow. And I mean, I even have a Tumblr that is rainbow and says love is love on the side. So if you know, you know, but some of them aren't, are going to see these things and it just doesn't even register to them because it's not part of their day to day. But if you've got a kid who maybe is questioning and doing their research and looking at these things, they're going to see these things and go, oh, this is a person, maybe she's safe to talk to. Maybe she's, mm-hmm. she might be safe to to go to with questions and be that space. And that's what I want to be for these kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting at my desk right before Christmas and I have a group of fifth grade girls sitting pretty close because they're doing a worksheet and they were asking me for help every once in a while. And I go to open a new tab on Google Chrome mm-hmm. and it pops up with the regular background that's just a bunch of different colors. It's not even really in a rainbow sequence. It's just like a bunch of different colors it is a generic background I have not changed this background at all mm-hmm. and one of the girls goes your background is gay and I was like what what do you even mean by that because I've also had that conversation with them of not using gay as an insult mm-hmm. but I could tell from her tone that's not how she meant it right. and she goes I just mean it's like rainbow colors it's like pride it's gay I'm like okay and then she kind of looks at me and she sees my bracelet and she goes and your bracelet's kind of gay too. <laughs> and looks up at my window and that's right above me and goes, and that's kind of, <laughs> and she pauses and I can see the wheels turning in her brain. And I just looked at her and I blinked and I said, should I tell you about the little mini rainbow Christmas tree in the window over there or the rainbow colored wreath on the door? <laughs> <laughs> And, and she's, like, she's still pausing and she's like, so are you? Hmm. And I just nodded. She goes, oh, and of course, some of the other girls sitting close by are also following and, and they're going, oh, and then another one who is not following, because <laughs> we're all at various levels here. Uh-huh. <laughs> she looks around and goes, what just happened? And the, the different ones, I think Miss Rowan just said she's gay. And the one who doesn't know what's going on looks at me and goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just dying. That is correct, and, child. I am. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then all the boys who are on the opposite side of the room, because, you know, at this age, they still separate. They think they have cooties. Give it a couple of years and, you know, they'll be but obsessed with this? each other. But they just this again, again, fifth grade, fifth grade. Some of them still think they have cooties. All right. Um, I guess some are more adventurous than others. Uh, some of them, like, it's like they think they do, and they're really starting to be interested. They just don't want to show it yet. Right. That's true. And also, because it's like if they become friends with someone of the opposite sex, then um, everyone immediately goes, Oh, they're dating. They're, they love each other. They don't want that. So one yeah. of the boys goes, What's going on? And one of those girls goes, none of your business. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, yeah. Fifth grade girls are much more astute than fifth grade boys. So let's just leave it at that. All right. Yeah. I had another day that I had students come in. This was actually before this in a, in a different homeroom. And so they come in, Miss Rowan, are you LGBT? And just like, yes. Because again, I'm not going to lie to them if they ask me directly. I've made that decision. And they go, oh, okay that's cool we support <laughs> that's that's good you're and some of them might actually realize that hey i am too and then know, you know like, maybe they'll start talking know, to you if if some of them realize that and also just you know just in general if any of in this especially in this area i feel like there's a lot of that alienation of and this otherness you know they haven't met many people who are gay right they maybe know of celebrities or something, but these are people far outside of their scope of, you know, rel- relativity. And and they hear, you know, stuff from the community and, and church and family members and all of this. And maybe they hear a lot of hate from other places and they're, while they're still forming their own opinion. But then if they know someone who they like and mm-hmm. respect and maybe feel some affection for, this teacher that they've known since kindergarten who just so happens to be gay and then they have to you know because that's been something that I've experienced of you know 
hearing what I've heard growing up from family members and, and from churches I was part of, of this hate towards gay people and sinners and they're just deviants and they're just you know it's talked up like this and then to know someone and love someone who is gay you have to wrap your brain around that and then personally coming to terms with having heard all of that and realizing that I am bi and I am and like I am I feel like ace like ace but at least bi romantic and so like coming to terms with that is difficult with all of that hate having been spewed in your head. So even for those kids who, especially for the kids who do identify as LGBT or, but even for those who don't identify that way, maybe become more accepting Mm -hmm. because they now know someone who is, that's an important thing too. Just the fact that you're existing creates a safe space. And I wanted to kind of ask you, when you think of safe spaces, what do they look like? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. What would you like them to include then? If you're not sure, would you like them to include diversity? Would you like them to include open discussions uh, that don't have to be the same, but are respectful? Yes. I think in the safe space to to be inclusive, all the different varieties of diversity, because there's so many things that people can differ on, but being willing to talk and to learn from each other and also being willing to be patient for those people who are learning because I I know I'm still learning a lot of ways that I need to be more respectful to various groups of people because of my own place of privilege and because of my own upbringing and so there are times that I put my foot in my mouth because I don't know and I and I've been on the receiving end of being that person who made the mistake of saying something or having a belief because I was brought up with it and don't know any better of having to relearn that and having to have that pointed out. And I'm glad someone pointed it out, but I've also had it pointed out in a way that was very abrasive. And I can understand why people are like that. I've been like that. You Mm -hmm. get very tired of having to teach people, but it's not helpful. It's not making people more accepting if we address every error with abrasiveness. And and sometimes even downright aggression. But that's where we have to remember that we have to have grace on both sides because there are so many people out there who don't know what they don't know. And then Mm -hmm. they first meet something that is very alien to them. And so they either are going to come from a place of fear and not be willing to learn, or they're going to come from a place of vulnerability. And then you have the same people and it's that whole seesaw effect, right? You're both Mm going to have to be actively in a vulnerable spot to be able to give each other grace for whatever's going on. Yeah. And I I think some of that even brings up, like, I have coworkers, I have a class who, when they came, what was it? They said something about it. Somehow the word gay came up. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if it was within context of sexuality at the time that it came up. But, oh yeah, we were talking about ballet and, Mm -hmm. and the Nutcracker. And somebody did bring up that they said that, like boys who do ballet there was there's something about it being gay and we were talking about stereotypes and so ballet being stereotype and then the idea of of men doing ballet being somehow gay and certain stereotypes around gay people especially gay men I I have some really great conversations with especially my older elementary kids and so when people say that kids can't handle these conversations it really drives me nuts because they can and they hear these things they can't and they hear these things even if you aren't actively talking to them they hear the conversations around them and they absorb and I'm sure some people will listen to the way I teach and think that I am indoctrinating these kids because that's what's going around about teachers right now and I'm like no I am trying to teach them to be kind to each other if trying to teach these children to be kind to other human beings is indoctrination then yes that is totally what I'm doing kindness and thoughtfulness Uh, yeah and and social emotional learning and learning how to manage your emotions and somehow that's a liberal Mm -hmm. agenda I'm like sure yeah totally I mean if you can't solve your problems with a pointy end of a gun you're not good exactly it's yeah but so I'm having this conversation with fifth grade and, and the whole stereotypes about gay people comes up and stereotypes of ballet and men doing ballet being gay and that sort of thing Mm-hmm. And one of the kids goes, we're not allowed to say gay. And I said, 
well, let's put this into context. I said, and I've talked to y'all about saying gay in the past. Like, you're not, a, you don't need to use gay as an insult. I know how some of y'all use it to mean something is stupid. If you're trying to say, I don't like this, it's stupid. Instead, you'll say, well, that's gay and that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not bad to have a discussion about gay people as long as you're being respectful of those people. Mm-hmm. It's not disrespectful to say someone is gay if that person is gay. I said, no. there's a lot of musicians who happen to be gay. Give you a whole list and we may discuss them and bring up the fact that they were, they are or were gay. Mm-hmm. That's just part of their identity. It's part of their story that should be acknowledged. So now it's not okay to speculate about someone because maybe they're doing something that you think is stereotypical for a gay person. It's not okay to then speculate that that person is gay. That needs to be something that they say on their own time and you know that they claim not something that you try to fit a label to them because of their behavior or something and they said well our teacher doesn't want us to talk about gay because her Mm -hmm. solution was that we're just not going to talk about it because that's not appropriate instead of trying to teach them nuance about it exactly and i i understand that it's it's much easier it would be so much easier to just move on and say, we're just not going to talk about that. And in some ways, a lot safer as a well, teacher. Well, yeah, to... especially if she doesn't know anyone within the gay community or the queer community. And exactly. then she's going to try to explain something she doesn't have firsthand, either direct right. knowledge I mean, or indirect knowledge of. Yeah. And I mean, and I also know, you know, her age mm-hmm. as well influences that. So I realized my own privilege of, in a way, that is a privilege, I guess, of being part of the community that I have a certain vantage point to explain that to others so I and and I can I can see that so I'm glad like I'm glad I'm able to have those conversations with them and point out that nuance to them but I also feel like in some ways I understand why that teacher has taken that perspective you know and that's that's what she's just how she's addressing it in her classroom but at the same time I do worry that by saying well we aren't going to talk about gay we're not going to use that word. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about the nuance of it. That the kid's interpretation of that is we're not going to talk about gay. We're not going to use the word gay because it's dirty, because it's bad. And they're going to make that connotation. So that is my concern there. Okay. So taking a, taking a little step to the left, what are you proud of? I, I mean, we just talked about, you know, trying to be an example for the kids that I teach and I am very proud of that I would Mm -hmm. like to do more in the future just as I feel safer and more comfortable with myself but that's something I'm proud of just in general as far as fandom and my writing I think I say (laughs) I'm proud of the stories that I have completed like I'm proud of myself for finishing something because that is some people will be very unhappy to hear this. That is very difficult for me. Although some people will not be surprised if they look at my AO3. <laughs> but, you know, the, the dragon fic, even though that was my cracked fic to mm-hmm. get myself out of a depressed state, I'm, I'm proud of that one even now, even though it was, it was really rough, the process and, and the fic itself, I feel like it's kind of, the fact that it is actually as, as good as I think it is even like I'm still proud of that fic being one that's out there and um really proud of August like the work that went into that as being part of the first big bang and and the people that you know I met through that process and talked to and how many other people contributed to just ideas for that story and I think even though we had plenty of time to write fix for that I am a procrastinator yeah you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do Uh, know (laughs) (laughs) don't kill me but I think I wrote that fic in a little maybe a little over six weeks oh wow that's not so bad it was I wrote it probably the fastest Mm -hmm. that I have ever written something and it was God, I'm looking to see exactly was 70,000 words 
And I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, it was like in about six weeks that I wrote that. And because I had so many, so many ideas bouncing around at that point to do for that event. And then I finally had to settle on one. And then I got like some chapters done very slowly. And then I was like, oh, shit, I actually have to finish this. And that was, it was, it's a story that I've had so much good feedback on and I still to this day will get the art on Tumblr that was tied to it with the link will be reblogged and I'll get a notification out of the blue and it just makes me really happy that there's still people who are finding that fic and and the art with it and really enjoy it and I get comments on it like comments comments give me like they give me life I, I don't, like, on one hand, I don't post these stories for, you know, expecting mm-hmm. feedback, especially when I first started. I wasn't doing it. I was doing it to get it out there and to get something, you know, out of my own system. And I was just posting it for shits and giggles. And I still am in some ways. Although, you know, my ADD brain is like, ooh, dopamine, like every time or, or whatever hormone it is that I don't produce myself, apparently. Mm-hmm. Every time someone leaves a comment or I go up, I'm not doing it for that, but it also is very rewarding. And so whenever I post a chapter, I do kind of sit there like, okay, just waiting to see what people comment and what people think. I don't like being that person necessarily, but it's kind of just become something I do. It sounds a little bit like the writing of the dragon AU or the Caroline and egg AU was an act of self-care. Mm-hmm. How else do you self-care? It was. I self-care a lot, like right now, a lot with my, with my pets, whether it's, you know, taking my dogs outside to run around and play a game of fetch through the backyard, or just when I'm late, I have one of my cats, Daisy is super cuddly Mm -hmm. when she wants to be at least. And so just about every evening as I'm unwinding for the day, I'll lay down on the couch and whether I'm watching TikToks or reading fan fiction or whatever I'm doing, I'm laying on the couch. She will come up and want to lay on me and sometimes get under the covers to cuddle. And so that's like the best feeling. And I don't know if, I think there was something done that said cat's purrs are actually like healing. Yeah, it's and supposed to lower your of- blood pressure because your body will automatically supposedly I could be wrong do not quote me on this your body automatically synchronizes with their purrs so your rhythms go down I'd believe it because that's that's one of my like the most calming things for me is in the evening when she does that it's just like the best feeling and then I have my snakes and and that's just kind of my zen time if I go into my room where I keep all of my snakes to handle them it's basically my time that the rest of the world just goes away I can focus on those on those snakes and doing my chores in there and handling them and because you have to kind of watch them I have ball pythons it's not as if they're aggressive Mm -hmm. I don't even I used to have one that honestly every time I handled her pretty much wanted to bite (laughs) because she she just had that personality but most of the ones I have at this point are very chill but at the same time you don't want to move suddenly and startle them. You want to watch, you know, where they are and, you know, make sure they're not crawling between something or whatever to get to get stuck because they're derpy and they will crawl somewhere that they would get their butts stuck and you'd have to take furniture apart to get them out. <laughs> and and so I'm always very mindful as I'm, you know, holding them and handling them to just be in that moment. And everything else just sort of goes away. Sorry. Stop. Okay. Sounds like Sassy's having a moment. It, it, she has a lot of moments. <laughs> she does. She has um, added flavor to this podcast. <laughs> it's either going to be a cat meowing on, or a dog. Kohas has been very uh, vocal of late today. <laughs> yeah. Sassy's like, what do you mean? You're not paying attention to me. What's happening right now? So bad. So we love them. Not really. <laughs> But yeah, so those are my, I, those, that's my main thing. Sometimes they add to my stress. I'm not going to lie, but most of the time they relieve it. And, you know, I also will watch, go down a TikTok black hole and watch, you know, sit and just watch TikToks or I'll look up 
you know, those uh, YouTube videos of choirs and groups that do beautiful harmony and that usually relaxes me or ASMR videos. Oh my Lord. I don't understand how that works, but it is so relaxing. Probably the slow droning voice. Yeah, the slow voices and the, the little tingly noises. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually watch those to fall asleep. So, or to, to just relax. So, that's typically, I try not to stress eat. I know I still do, but sometimes food is comfort food. There's a reason why the sentence exists. Yeah, there's a reason they call it that. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, those are my, my main main self-care. So what's your ultimate comfort food? Oh, Lord. Probably anything with ranch. I am your basic, basic white girl in that way. Not in your, I'm not the pumpkin spice. (laughs) Basic white girl. I am the ranch dressing on everything. Basic white girl. (laughs) Oh my God. I saw a TikTok the other day where somebody had posted, they said, what exactly is white culture? Like, what is it? And this lady posted comments. She was satirically going to do a duet where she said ranch dressing. Mm-hmm. And she came on, she was laughing. She's, and she's like, I was going to do a reply that said ranch dressing. And then I looked up who invented ranch dressing and it was a black man. <laughs> she said, we even appropriated ranch. <laughs> there was a TikTok and I don't know if it was you who sent it to me or someone else, but this guy's wife had made like some sort of Mexican dish. I think it was a tamale. And he starts dunking it in ranch. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. And he's like hiding it behind him. And she's like, is that ranch? He's like, no. He's like, it's ranch. And then he's like, and then there was like some saying that says, be careful of your white husbands. They dip shit in ranch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, I would not. Of course, right before we did this, I ate hot wings with ranch. So there's that. Well, I mean, ranch as a cooling effect makes sense. So is blue cheese it dressing, does. but you know. Oh, I don't like blue cheese. It's gross. Yeah. No, I agree with oh. you. That's why ranch is a good one. It's a good alternative yeah. to the blue cheese, but. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. we could probably talk for hours more. This is probably a good place to stop. Any last words said with uh, some dread? Just kidding. <laughs> Any last words? <laughs> Any last words? Because you know, I could go on some random ramble for like another hour. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. So let people know how they can connect with you. I am on AO3 as Amelia with an E underscore Rowan. And I am on Tumblr as Amelia Rowan, all one word. I don't know why I decided to put an underscore on one and not the other, but past me did that thinking hindsight is 2020 have that issue with past you know 2019 me i guess so you only started writing in 2019 wow i mean i think i start. i'm pretty sure that i started posting stuff in like yeah 2019 was when i first started posting that's i mean i've written for i've written for a much longer time but i've written Mm -hmm. like i said since middle school but I've only been posting stuff since like 2019. Wow. Yeah. In a long, almost three years now. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I started posting the collection in like December of 2019. And people are like, when's she going to finish this crap? Trust me. I would also like to know. <laughs> Many people would like to know. <laughs> I've got half of the next chapter written, I think. Half of your chapters are like 6,000 words. So yeah. Okay. This is true. <laughs> Mines are like 1500 words. And if you can get more out of me, it's amazing. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. But I can do that. You can uh-huh. get, you can get more than three, 1500 words. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I bully um, them out of you. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're actually really great for my ability to write longer. So anyone who reads my stories, Ayaka Spencer on AO3, and you're like this, is still short but it's longer than my usual you can thank amelia rowan <laughs> also thank me for any time that she uses the same verb tense yes <laughs> you do you do you do help with my verb tenses <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i thought i was stacked on verb tenses i was very wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's 
And the reason I'm a bully on it is because I've messed up on it. Because I will go, especially I'll go and read a fanfic that's in Mm -hmm. present tense when I'm trying for inspiration, when I'm writing one that's in past tense, and then I'll start writing in the wrong tense. And then I'm like, fuck, I have to go back and edit the whole damn thing. Yes, but I have her. She does it for me, so. I'm making you do it yourself now, though. Yes, slowly. But it's it's true. (laughs) I need to learn. I need to learn. But I think... I do feel like I'm getting better, like the Tolder fic I'm currently writing. I think I'm, I think I've got my tenses on. I'm like, oh, I think Amelia would be proud of my tenses. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, but before I forget, come follow me on Tumblr and TikTok as Down the Fandom Hole with Aya, as Aya Spencer on Twitter and Ao3, and on Instagram as the Podcat. You can find links to our socials by clicking the link in the episode description. There, you will also find shoutouts and recs for other fandom creators. And if you like supporter-only extras, become a Patreon supporter. A huge thank you to everyone who supports this podcast. I'm sorry, podcast, tunes in, and who have hit the follow and like buttons. Your support means everything. And last, don't forget to show some love to your favorite fandom creators. Always try to find that common ground. And no matter what anyone tells you, you are a creative and beautiful person. Peace out, Rainbow Trouts. Yeah, so, and we're done. Okie dokie. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you later. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.